Well, hello there. It is good to see you again, and welcome back to the latest installment of Go Beyond Numbers. I am your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff. Boy, is it good to be back with you guys today. And as always, we'll have the star of our show in Mr. Tony Rose. He'll be jumping it on. We're going to be diving into a great discussion today. And if you've been you know, free, a frequent visitor and listener of our show, uh, you know that in our last few episodes, we've been welcoming on some great guests to the show. Those that are, you know, they share a professional relationship as well as maybe a personal relationship with Tony. You know, and we dive into their world, you know, what, what their business is, how they go about it. And we learn a little bit about themselves and how they carry themselves throughout their business. And before we bring Dr. Patty Ann on, I want to read a quick little bio about her just to frame up things for you guys, our audience, as to who we're dealing with here on today's episode, because it is going to be a good one. And boy, do we have a special guest in Dr. Patty Ann. So as I mentioned, Dr. Patty Ann, she is the CEO and founder of the Relationship Toolbox, which is a training and development consulting firm which specializes in the development of emotional intelligence and other soft skills and we're going to get into what those soft skills are today and those soft skills that help promote really optimal performance for individuals or groups within a given organization so as a relationship communication and ultimately just an emotional intelligence expert dr patty ann understands that a company's biggest asset can be its in its employees and that's going to be a big focal point of today's discussion that i'm really excited to get into today so with that being said first off let's go ahead and bring tony on and say hi to tony good to see you this morning tony how are we doing i'm great ryan it's nice to see you absolutely how, how yeah. are you this is a this you might be listening to this those listening in the winter but it's a great summer day here in los angeles uh, likewise over here on the East Coast, Tony, and I understand uh, you you recently are, are getting back from a little bit of time off and enjoying yourself. How did that go? I, I spent uh, 14 days in Scotland. What a wonderful country. What a wonderful people. And we had loads of fun. A great place to go. Oh, I love to hear that. Love to hear that. Well, we're back. We're diving into another episode here today. Got a great guest in Dr. Patty Ann Dublin. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and throw things over to you, Tony. You can go ahead and bring Dr. Patty Ann on and get right into the discussion at hand today. Hello, Dr. Patty Ann. Hello, Tony. How are you? It is so great to see you. It's great to see you, too. Before we get started, I want to tell everyone to click like and subscribe and all that stuff. If you want to hear more of great stuff from... Uh, us and the people that I get to know and know and want to learn more from. Uh, in all uh, honesty, Patty Ann is an important person in my life and the life of my company. She is our corporate shrink. <laughs> uh, and, and, and she's been very invaluable in helping the leadership of our company figure out what to do with the rest of our lives here at Rose Snyder and Jacobs. So Patty knows me very, very well, don't you? I know you even more than knowing how to go beyond the numbers with you. I do. I know you so well. And what I, what I love about doing this podcast with you is that I know you not just as the founder of this firm, but as a person and as a man that that leads with empathy, a true empathic leader. Honestly, and no one's paying me to say this, the world would be a better place if more people treated their 
employees as team members and cared about them the way I know firsthand Tony does. So it, it's, it's, it's a pleasure and a blessing to have you in my life. So thank you. Now you you also have a podcast. Uh, I, I, is it called the Relationship Doctor? What is no, it? it's the Trust Doctor. The Trust Doctor. Restoring trust and enriching significant relationships because trust is the foundation of every healthy and successful relationship. Right? You can't run your business if your partner and your your team members don't trust you. You can't do a return. If your clients don't trust you, you can't have a successful life or be happy if there's no trust. So it's the trust doctor. But thank you for mentioning it. And I, and I was a guest on the trust doctor, and I, I thought it was one of the best interviews I have ever been given or, or, or received from you. So thank you very much for that. I, I encourage you to... Uh, go to Dr. Patty Ann's website and click on her uh, podcast be, and you will find me there. I don't know, two or three, two or three podcasts down from the top. Um, we got to know each other at Genius Network. Yes, did we, we got not? to know each other from Genius Network when I did my three tools to repair trust in a damaged business relationship or something like that. And you sent me the sweetest email and the rest is history. Now that was the beach ball. That was the beach ball. Exactly. When we were, when I was talking about um, having to see that there's more than one truth and truth is based that there's no absolute truth. It's based upon your perspective and your life experience. And I used the beach ball to demonstrate that. I was looking to see if I had it here, but I think I have it in my closet. I, I And I want to get back to that. But first of all, I, I want to know why you, as a mental health professional. Clinical psychologist. Would, uh, would want to. Well, yeah, you're a clinical psychologist, but I know. But as a mental health professional. Yeah, of course. Why, why would you want to be in a group? called Genius Network. What does that do for you? Oh my gosh. Well, two things, and they're both of equal value. One is it, you are absolutely not the smartest person in the room and it a thousand percent elevates your game. I would imagine, and you're a really, really smart guy, but you must feel that way on some level too. Secondly, not being... Part of not being the smartest person in the room is that you meet the most fascinating people that are not just brilliant, but are, as you know, true givers. Like you, you are the ultimate giver, Tony. I know that. I know all the, not all, because I'm sure there's so much you do that I don't know, but behind the scenes giving and volunteering that you do for Genius Recovery and I'm sure there's other things. I know you sit on boards in California. Um, so I love the fact that you're surrounded by brilliant people that are genuine, authentic, and really want to give back to the world. That's what I love about it. So you're learning. Oh my gosh, always learning. Well, listen, I really believe, I really believe if you're not learning, you're dying have to always be learning. I, I agree with that too. 
I agree with that too. It, it is your practice with businesses only or tell me a little bit about your practice. Okay, so I have an interesting I have an interesting practice. What I what I do is just I don't I don't do traditional mental health in a long long time. I do coaching and consulting. And I work with all relationships. So it's it's business relationships, business partners, co-founders or for example, if a company's not meeting their numbers and the business somebody's been brought in and the business model is working and they know with the business model is fine something else is off inevitably i'm brought in and what we find is that it's the relationships that aren't working so for example the head of sales and this this is with a company i'm with now they create apps the head of sales and the head of engineering hate each other, like despise each other. That relationship permeated the company. And so what do you have? So you're creating apps and your engineers aren't talking to your salespeople. You can see this is a prescription for a disaster. So I can go in and ascertain that and then correct that. So that's part of the, the business work that I do. I also do work with um, truly going into companies and creating programs for empowering women, like real empowering women stuff, not the rah-rah, let's have a day or do seminar, a, a day or two seminar, everybody feels great, but then nothing changes, right? Like that sort of kind of drives me crazy. Um, and then I'll work with romantic partners for, for people that are entrepreneurs. Because as you know, entrepreneurial relationships are different than other relationships. We have different challenges, different issues. It shows up differently. So I do that as well. So it's it's all relationship-based. And the, the, the foundation is creating trust and seeing where that went awry. And that's where you have the emotional intelligence come in, the soft skills like communication. It's great. And I love it. And, and the work with the business partners, as far as I know, is such a niche I don't know too many other people that do it. I'm sure there are, I don't know. But my background in psychology and social work and nursing on top of my coaching really positioned me to really understand human behavior, human motivation, human performance. And then you throw in what you mentioned earlier about Genius Network, right? Because that's just the foundation. And now you get all the cutting edge technology and you throw neuroscience in. And we know that the brain and the heart and the mind and the body is connected, but now we can show how that works from a neuroscience perspective. Fascinating. I, I, I could geek out over that stuff all day long, but you, you know that. You love that stuff too. I love that stuff too. You're absolutely right. Uh, in, in the book, Go Beyond Numbers, we talk about social capital. I think I mentioned in the book that the that relationship is the new currency. Yes. That the you can denominate social capital by the relationships you have, and the relationships you have is what creates money. Money does not create relationship, although it kind of in a negative way, money can create a relationship, but it's very brittle, fragile. From a, from and a transactional, not to, transactional way. It, that's right. It's transactional. Thank you. 
with regard to entrepreneurs and and people who have partners mm -hmm. let's talk about on a business level first what is different about that than personal partners or personal relationships so great question. And just for the listeners to know, I have no, I, I had no foreknowledge of the question. So these, these, are, these are like really. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want everyone to understand I'm throwing this stuff right. at Dr. Right. Patty Ann and, and uh, I'm doing this on purpose because the spontaneity of Dr. Patty Ann is so fabulous that we're going to get something that no one else in the whole world will hear. Go ahead, Dr. Perry. Okay, so, so great question. And here's the dirty little secret. Honestly, they're not that different. They're really not that different. So let's take a, a romantic personal relationship and a business relationship, right? Business, you could say, well, money is more of a variable in a business relationship. Uh, okay, you don't think money's a variable in a romantic relationship? Wait till someone gets a divorce. All of a sudden, money means, you know, it's not about the money until it's about the money. So there's the, 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 the common denominator is the trust and the communication. What might play out differently, Tony, is the alignment in the creation of the goals and the core values, right? So in a partnership, in a personal relationship, specifically a romantic one, it really is a democracy, if you will, right? Both people have equal say and equal value, or they should. In a business partnership, in a business relationship, it's not quite that equality unless it's set up that way, but it's somebody might bring capital to a business partnership. Somebody else might bring sweat and experience, and that has to all be worked through. Um, the other thing that's different is in a personal relationship, friendships as well, as you change and evolve, you need to change and evolve as an individual and find a way to stay connected. Almost think, think about the, the helix of the DNA, of the genome, right? It, it intersects and it goes separate and intersects. You need to do that in a personal relationship. In a business relationship, you do that from the perspective of innovation, but the core values and usually the mission the purpose usually stays the same, or it should. And if it doesn't, then there has to be a conversation. And then you might have to decide, well, this partner works for me now, and it won't work going forward. Or, you know, this, we don't need this part of our business anymore, because that's not where we're headed. You don't do that in your personal relationship. You're not, you know what, one of these kids isn't serving my purpose anymore. So I think I'll get rid of them. Like it doesn't work that way. You have to, you have to struggle with that in a different way. Yes, I, I, I totally understand that. I, I, I do think that when you, 
when, when you compare a business partnership to a marriage in some of those fundamental ways. I think that's really important. I, I, and I agree that, that the evolution and growth of a partner, whether that's a business partner or a personal partner, can be very threatening to the partner that's not growing unless that partner is also committed to personal growth and, 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 and evolution. Right, but then they would be growing. That's right. So, so, so uh, Dan Sullivan has a concept called going against gravity, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where, where people around you as you are growing oftentimes, and I would say non-intentionally behave in a way that blocks your growth in in, in getting through that to that next level because the relationship with those people begin to change. Don't Don't you agree with that? Yeah. So, okay. So you just mentioned Dan Sullivan. We have to give a shout out to probably like the biggest genius on the planet for um, I mean he's in, he's incredible um yes what happens to take that a little bit deeper um and this is where you and I enjoy being in genius network right because these are not people that are blocking us these are people that are encouraging us so what happens is when you're with the group of people if they are not in the pursuit of growth, and it doesn't have to be the same growth that you're pursuing, but the pursuit of growth in and of itself, where they value that, they will become uncomfortable with your, un, with your discomfort of pushing yourself. They will see that as threatening their status quo. So they... Well, they will try to consciously and or unconsciously block that. So for example, it will be, um, so I'm trying to learn Spanish now, Tony. It's pretty pathetic. I'm on Duolingo. I'm trying really hard. I am really loving it, but I really suck, but it's okay. It is okay, right? So my husband's supportive of it. My kids make fun of my accent, but they're supportive of it. And I tell everybody I know like you, I'm trying to learn Spanish. I go get ice cream and I go to the girl, uh, por favor, uno vaso de vanilla, whatever, right? It's terrible, but I'm trying. And I'm surrounding myself with people that will support that because they will encourage me even as I'm uncomfortable. Like it's, I'm a little sucky. It's uncomfortable sucking, right? I like to be good at what I do and I'm not. But it's, but it's growth. And I love that. But if I was around people that would say, what do you want to learn Spanish for? Like, who needs to learn Spanish? You've lived this long without another language. Well, I do speak Brooklynese, but that's a different conversation. Um, but what do you need Spanish for? Like, it's so hard. And, and I, 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 over time, I've learned to minimize or marginalize those people in my life because they stunt my growth. And it's not for somebody else to to allow me to stay comfortable. I want want permission from other people to be uncomfortable. And that's what the growth is all about for me. 
late late last week i started watching a podcast uh between dan sullivan joe polish who for those of you who may not know who he is the uh, founder of of genius network and stephen pressfield and stephen pressfield is a fiction writer wrote the story of uh, the legend of Bagger Vance, uh, but also has written a number of nonfiction books, one of which is called The War of Art. And I, I know you know that book, Dr. Patty Ann. And, and, and that book has to do with resistance and, and, and the reason why artists fail to realize their art and entrepreneurs as well. This book was written for entrepreneurs. And, and he does talk about the people around you holding you down as, as a form of resistance. Uh, and, and so I decided to pick up the book and read it again this weekend. So I'm, I'm, I'm reading it again. Uh, do you read books again and again? I usually don't. I, not, I usually don't, and I'll tell you why. I have to live 10 lives to get everything done I want to get done. And I'm not joking. And I plan on living those 10 lives with overtime. So there's so much knowledge to absorb. There are some books I've read like more than once. For example, I read Sid Arthur twice. I read Down These Mean Streets twice. There are certain books, as I hear myself say them, I'm like, there's really no rhyme or reason to it. But for the most part, I feel like I've read something at a stage in my life, it served me. And there's, there's so much new material coming out, we can't keep up, but I do have a hack. Can I tell you my hack? What is that? Okay, so here's my hack. Um, because if you looked at my nightstand, I have, you know, like eight, books on my nights. I had somebody move a chair this week and they're like, oh my God, we're going to knock your books down. I said, don't worry. I knock them down all the time. And um, so what I've done is I've gone to, ooh, and I, I never split the difference. I've just read twice too. So yep. tell the truth, Great right? Book. Great, Great book. Right. What I've done is I've gone to podcasts like yours and I will watch a podcast where the author is being interviewed about the book that he just wrote. And what I have found is that within that 45 to, to an hour interview, I get the main concepts of the book. By the so, way, for those of you that might want to read Never Split the Difference, that is author Chris Boss, who again is a Genius Network member and has really written a definitive book about negotiating and understanding how to get things done with people that might not want to have you do things. So exactly. that, that's, that's, that's a great book. Um, and the other book that you mentioned the, um, that you're rereading now, Ben Hardy, another genius member, he and I were just talking about that a couple of weeks ago. So when you said it, I'm like, wow, that's like, that's where there's such a connection among this group of people. It's, it's, it's truly amazing. And we, here's the other thing about growth, if I may. I know I'm digressing a little bit, Tony, but I think this is important. 
in order to get uncomfortable with yourself, you have got to be willing to be vulnerable and, and vulnerable with two people. The most important person you need to be vulnerable with is with yourself to admit that you don't know it. That like what I said earlier, I really suck at that, right? Like I've worked with you and you're a brilliant accountant. I'm lucky I can add, I don't even, I never balance my checkbook. Like it's just not my wheelhouse. Now, I'm not totally dumb. I mean, I took calculus in high school, but it's not my unique ability. This is your unique ability, but it doesn't matter because my unique gift is the people and the relationships, right? So we all have our unique gifts and I'm solid and confident in that. But holy moly, there is so much I suck at and I am not embarrassed to let everybody know because it's okay. Like it, and it's not for people to not to be a martyr, say, oh, whoa, we, no, I'm terrible at that. It's okay. And so to admit it to myself and to admit it to others, and what you will find, and I'll go back to my ice cream, to my, my Spanish example. Every time I go get ice cream, because it is my guilty pleasure, I love it. I eat it more than people would realize. Um, I always practice my Spanish with the girls that are working. And they are so nice to me. They are so kind. They are so good. They sort of kind of lie and tell me, oh my gosh, you're so good. I'm like, no, 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 Ayuda, Ayuda, help, help. Like I suck, but they encourage me and they make me feel better about not being great at something, but at least trying, right? So you want to have growth by being vulnerable and trying because what's that famous quote? It's not the man in the arena that will ever make fun of you. It's the person with their ass on the couch that never tries. So who cares what they think? Hey, you, you, you brought up so many things uh, in the last <laughs> few minutes. The, uh, first, you're talking about Ben Hardy. When you're talking about being in an environment uh, where there's people that are supportive and, and want you to grow, Ben Hardy, I believe, writes about that in his book, which I think is called Willpower Doesn't Work. And, mm -hmm. and by the way, Ben Hardy's newest book, um, what's it called? Your um, Future Self. Yeah, uh, uh, Be Your Future Self Now. Yeah. yeah. It, it is maybe his best work. And I recommend anyone who wants to uh, read a very easy to read book, pick it up. Oh, well, it's easy. You know what? It's easy to read on one level, but but there's another, that's a book you might want to reread, right? But as you go deeper into it, it is profound. It, 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 it is very, profound. it is very profound. So, so that's number one. He also wrote another book called Personality is Impermanent. You do not, you choose to be who you are. So if you're, and, and I have, I don't know, even know if I told you the story. When, when I was a young accountant and I started my firm and when I was 26 years old, um, I was did pretty you have more. Young. Did you have more hair than Tony? Did I what? Did you have, have more, more hair? hair? Yeah, absolutely. I had more hair and, and I was pretty much an asshole. <laughs> and, and I had a really bad picture of what a business owner should be. And I, I, filled every space of that canvas and 
my original partner, Mary, and I were kind of fighting, and we actually brought in an industrial psychologist, behaviorist by the name of Brad Spencer, who someday I'd love you to meet. I would and, love to meet him because you've spoken about him before. Yes. And, and, and Brad believed that, and his partner, Tom Shank, believed that you chose to be who you are. That, that you don't have to be that. So if you don't like that, don't be that. It's like that old saw about, if you wanna be happy, be happy. And, and uh, I, I changed materially, I think, you'll have to ask the rest of the team members, but I realized that we have control not over what other people do to us. And I'm sure everyone, listening to this has heard this, but, but how we react to that stuff. The other thing about being scared, and, and this, is, talk, this talk is talked about by Stephen Press, Pressfield in his book about, um, about resistance. Do you remember, Ryan, uh, our discussion about the rule of shitty? Yes, yes. And I loved I loved the verbiage on this one. So Eddie, would you care to bring us back up to speed on this? No, actually, I would like you to bring us back up to speed on <laughs> uh, that. My takeaway, and this has been a few episodes, Tony, let alone a few weeks and months that it's been since that conversation. But I believe that the rule of shittiness was kind of the do unto you as, as how's that expression go? Do unto you as others. Do unto others that, as you would want done unto you. There it is. Thank you so much. This is why we have Dr. Patty Ann on to help me with this. But uh, no, that was that was my biggest takeaway from it. At least it was that if if you're going to be shitty, then shittiness will come back to you in another way, shape, or form. Am I close? At least. No. Well, you know what? That's that's actually a really good concept too. That's not exactly <laughs> what I was thinking about in the rule of shitty. Um, so, that's all kind of karma. So, so that which is fine. The 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 rule of shitty has to do with the fact that you do anything new. is a fact that the probability of the first time you do it, you're going to be doing it really shitty. Mm -hmm. So when I was learning after my wife passed away and I'd never had to cook my own meal and I was starting to cook stuff, I knew that if I had to cut a piece of meat, a roast, I needed to learn knife skills. And I fully expected to scrape my knuckles chopping and stuff like that but i learned knife skill and so so if i would have cut my finger the first time i used a knife under the rule of shitty i was supposed to now sometimes when you do something the first time it gets it, it turns out really great and then oftentimes the second time you do it you do it shitty wow. uh, but so basically the rule of shitty is if you know that you're going to do something shitty then what's stopping you from doing something new? If you know that the first time you want to have a serious talk with someone, Patty Ann, you're liable to do it shitty because you've never done it before. Should it stop you from having that conversation? Okay, so I loved everything you said, except at the end right there when you said, about doing something shitty. It's interesting. I usually associate that with a, um, 
like with, with the skill set of like, you know, starting to play tennis or golf or something. But a conversation is a work in progress throughout your whole life. I, I'm looking at you. I feel like you set me up here. Um, so let me, let me answer the question you didn't ask, if I may. What stops us from doing things when we think we're not going to do it perfectly yeah. is our own limiting beliefs. So we tell ourselves these stories, I can, I'm not, I don't know how, not good enough, like all the negative self-talk. And then through, and that becomes a common denominator in every area of our life. And then our brain, which is so fascinating and interesting, and that's a conversation for another day, but our brain will seek out evidence to prove truth to our own limited belief, whether it's true or not. Our brain will say, well, if we're saying it, we created the neural pathway, so now let's find evidence for that. So here's an example of that. When I was pregnant, everyone I saw on the planet was pregnant. Wherever I went, I saw a pregnant woman. And of course, there were no more pregnant women than, than there's always been. But I was so absorbed in being pregnant, my brain was seeking it out. Or you're, you're thinking about buying a new car, a specific type of car. Everywhere you go, you're like, oh my gosh, that's the car I want. That's the car I want. In fact, you're the number guy. There's probably no more cars on the road that are like that model than before. But your brain seeks it out. I, so, call, that, I call that the red car theory. You buy a red car, everybody else has a red car. That's right. That's right. That's right. So in terms of having a conversation, a con not having the difficult conversation, it, for, most people don't know how to have that. And I know you didn't ask me that, but most people don't know how to have the difficult conversation. But you can have any conversation with anyone if you come to it from a place of empathy and just trying to keep the connection. Like I talk a lot about communication and the main goal of communication is not to get your message across. That's the secondary goal. The main goal of all communication first and foremost is to create a connection. And once you know you have- Stop, that stop there for a second. I love this. Repeat that, please. The main goal of all communication is to create a connection. And then once you have that connection, parenthetically, which is the prerequisite for empathy, then you can get your message across. So for example, if somebody turns on this podcast and they're driving and then all of a sudden they get distracted by something going on on the road, no matter what awesome message we might be delivering, when we no longer have their attention and they're not connected anymore, then our message falls on deaf ears. This is what happens in relationships. Um, somebody says something to any relationship. If you're talking to me and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh, I'm reading the book. And then a week later, you'll say, okay, Patty, and come on, 
we're going to go to this meeting on Friday at nine o'clock. I'm like, what meeting? Like the meeting I told you about last week. Well, guess what? We're both right. Uh, and then we have an argument. You didn't tell me about a meeting. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes. Well, you did tell me and I didn't hear it. So you're right. You told me, but we weren't connected. So I didn't hear it. And that's that lack of connection. That's why you can't watch the news today, Tony. Turn on any TV channel. I know that means I'm old because that, you know, it's the TV, not your computer screaming, stream, uh, stream screaming. See if Freudian slip, streaming. Um, all they do is yell when nobody's listening to anything. So to have a conversation with somebody, even if you bundle it up like awkward, if you just say, now a good time. I, I, I need to speak to you about something, but if, it, and if someone tells you it's not a good time, don't convince them. Otherwise it is not a good time. Reschedule it. Why? Well, and that, and, and that actually gets to Ryan's, what I'm now going to be terminology calling Ryan's shitty get shitty uh, uh, philosophy. I love it. We'll get a registered trademark on that, Tony. You better do it fast because I'm having <laughs> Crystal from my office do a copyright on that on that terminology. It's be, a race be, then. Instead of SOS, SGS. Yeah, but you know, because what happens is that if you treat people shitty and you don't expect shitty, then you're fooling yourself. And, and we do talk about that in social capital. And we talk about, uh, Brad Spencer years ago talked about collecting uh, green stamps or blue stamps and black stamps. And, 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 that, <laughs> and, and that when you, yeah, you know what? That's dating you and me. We are dating ourselves, Ryan. You'll have to look it up. It's in the archives of history. It is in the archives <laughs> of history. Very old, but it'd have to be new world encyclopedia not the encyclopedia britannica the 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 um so if you're walking down the hall now no one's walking down the hall anymore i don't know how much time we have ryan uh, uh but i got all the time you need I that's was great not, i was but, not truncating this because i know you i it, know we were going to have fun if if there was a hall and you're walking down and you pass someone and you don't look at their eyes and you don't smile and they say hello and you just grunt you walk by they're collecting a blank a black stamp mm -hmm. and people collect black stamps and we'll call them blue stamps um every day if if they get a big smile from someone and how are you how was your weekend and it's a smile and there's a connection they collect a blue stamp. Now, a lot of times people will collect these black stamps in their bag of whatever you'd call it. And then they get home at night and their significant other says, how was your day? And then they just, why are you even asking me that? They dump their black stamps because they have to, you have to dump it at some point in time. Sometimes you dump it in your sleep. Sometimes you dump it to your assistant or to the people you work with or to your best friend. 
But, and Tony, if you don't dump it, you get sick. If you don't dump it, you get sick. And once you dump it, Ryan's shitty philosophy, shitty gets shitty, um, comes back. Because then there's almost never reciprocity of shitty begets kindness. Mother Teresa did that. But but, um, Mm. almost no one gives kindness back when they've been treated shitty well actually um correct in theory however i would suggest that people with high emotional intelligence might right um and i'll actually just give an example not to say that i have the high emotional intelligence but what i'm working on so I just started to go back to the gym just a couple of days. I have Peloton. I'm like a Peloton cult member now, but I wanted to run. So I started to go back to the gym. Now I've been at this gym for 31 years. Like I know everybody and their mother and their story. And if you know me, I know everybody and their mother and their story and their story. And I love it. So anyway, but there's a a cleaning lady that that took care of the, the locker room, Maria, who I loved. I saw her in the grocery store and I knew she retired. Missed her so much. Anyway, so there's a new woman. And I asked her a question and she was really like sort of kind of nasty. Like, and I'm like, I, I, I'm just asking. And then I said, I'm going to kill her with kindness. And then at the end of the you know, 10, 10 second exchange, she was nice. Okay. The next time I was at the gym, I was doing my core work. She literally made it a point to come up to me and come down and go, hi, how are you? Right? So that was a moment where I took shitty and I I call it killed it with kindness, right? But you're not always in the mood for that. And if you're tired or you're busy, you might might not spend the time to do that. But um, there was something that you said earlier that I wanted to comment on, which is if we can look at, oh, the black the black stamps. I read this somewhere and it's left an impression on me, Tony, and I think all your listeners will appreciate it. First of all, everybody on the planet has stressful days, right? Everybody's carrying a bag of shit that nobody knows about, right? So be kind. Everybody has it. They, they may not even know about it. Correct. But most people in a lot of ways do. So here's the story. A man had this horrible day at work. Everything was shitty, horrible, horrible, horrible. And he gets into his car and he drives home and he has a tree next to his house and he touches the tree, like kisses it, goes like that, like puts something on the tree and walks into the house. Now, this man had the worst day on the planet ever. And he walks into the house and it's like my house. The first people that run up to are the dog, right? So first the dog comes, then the kids come and your spouse comes. And they say, daddy, daddy, how was your day? He goes, it was great. It was great. How was yours? And the person with him said, how could you do that? Like I was with you all day. I saw the horrible day you had. He goes, because my family deserves to have me to be the best father and spouse I can be. They don't deserve the shittiness from work to carry home. 
So every day when I have a shitty day, I use that tree and I put the shit bag on the tree and I leave it behind me and I go into my home to start my evening. That's a lovely story. Isn't that great? Yeah, that's really good. Tell, tell, Patty Ann, tell me why you mentioned, you mentioned a little earlier about everything on social media, everything on the news, everything mm -hmm. we hear streaming is uh, polarized. Okay, uh, or so a lot, or certainly a lot of it. Yeah, okay, so let me clarify. Why is that? Why, why do you think say, that is? Yeah, let me clarify. I did say everything, but there are, are a few absolutes in life, but it feels like everything. Um, I've actually been reading about this, and I think what's going on is that we've fallen into tribalism. Now, I am not the expert on tribalism, but tribalism is where your, your tribe has to be right, and the other tribe has to be wrong. So we've lost our ability to connect socially. And it, it's a real complicated answer and we don't have enough time. It would be a great conversation for another day. But I think we have become so, so committed and it's so important for us to be right. And our perspective our truth is the only right truth, right? Think about, I don't want to get into trouble here, but think about religion. My God is right, your God is wrong, so I can kill you. Like, does that make any sense? Of course not. And I think you take that down. And I think social media, I do think, there's always an upside and a downside to innovation, right? Like we can't live without our phones. This Zoom podcast, this is awesome, right? You're in LA, I'm in Connecticut. I still, I know this means I'm old, but I can't get over this. Like this is so cool. The downside to all of this technology is, you know, I have 27,000 likes and friends on Facebook. No, I don't. If I put an ad up, I'm moving tomorrow, all my friends come help me, who's gonna show up? Not my 27,000 friends on Facebook, right? So we've lost the ability to create and sustain authentic, genuine relationships. And I, I think it's something that we really have to look at. Um, I think the lost art of conversation is a big part of it. And, I don't want to get in trouble, but, you know, it does seem to be that, you know, universities are, so to me, they're about, other than learning a skill, engineering, accounting, whatever, to me, it's about critical thinking, to learn the art of critical thinking. You can only learn how to critical think if you are exposed to and engage with someone who thinks differently than you. And it goes back to empathy, right? One of the ways to increase empathy is to have a growth mindset. And so to see failures as opportunities to learn, to see how other people perceive us, to be around people that look, think, and act differently than them and genuinely try to understand them. And in the before time, 
uh, not everybody went to university. Uh, where did they learn the art of conversation? Oh, you absolutely know this at home. And if you were blessed to have women in your life, nobody's, women love to communicate. Communication was, and also we did storytelling in the beginning of time. That's how tradition was passed down before we learned to write, right? The elders would tell stories. This is the value of, I don't have them yet, but I see it with my sister and friends. This is the value of grandparents and gra learning, grandchildren learning from their grandparents. They are hearing stories of what once was, the lessons learned, what we did well, what we didn't do well. And then we translate that into how we can learn from that for the new and improved way of moving forward. But I, I, I am the eternal optimist. I feel like the fact that we're now recognizing that we're so divided and so polarized, just like emotional intelligence, first thing, self-awareness. So being aware of it, I think, I think is the start of changing it. So, so let's bring this as, as we're beginning to close the conversation. I, I want to bring this down to those listeners that are running a business, uh, facing challenge in their environment. Um, and let's talk about how you create connection and communication within a remote work environment and a hybrid work environment. How do you, how, how, do you have any kind of tips or hacks that can help business owners uh, deal with the uh, disadvantages of hybrid and remote work environments? Okay, so, um, so um, from the law of physics, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So for every disadvantage that this work environment presents, there's an advantage. The mistake that people, that companies are making is that they are trying to solve a new challenge with an old paradigm. So that's the first thing, okay? We are not going back. Right? It's like when Henry Ford wanted to invent the Model T. What the naysayers were like, well, just, what is it? Just ride a faster horse? Duh, right? Kodak with the digital camera, they created it. No, 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 we're good here. We are, time is moving forward and it's great, right? It's great, it's innovation. We don't wanna be, we'd be, you know, Fred Flintstone going to work in the dinosaur or whatever. So what creates a connection whether it's through Zoom or in person is the same. And by the way, sidebar, not for your firm, Tony, because I know you, but all these companies, especially the big ones, especially the ones on Wall Street, there wasn't all that much mentoring going on at work. Not as much as they say it was, it was dog eat dog world. Now, I can learn your life story going to the bathroom with you, but, but that's women. <laughs> but here, here's the common denominator, create a connection and you can do that by making a conscious effort to stay in touch and connect with your team members, even if it's on Zoom and this is how you do it. 
This is how you do it. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Um, Tony, let's say that you work for me. Okay. Okay. I'm going to set up a zoom call with Tony on, um, on Monday at three o'clock and you're going to get, and the agenda is going to be open and you're going to be like, Hmm, I wonder what the boss wants. Hmm. Let me, I'll think, what did I not do right? I wonder what project he's going to give me. And you'll have all these thoughts, right? Because that's the way most supervisors engage with their, it's work, it's, it's functionally based on the task at hand. We get on the call and I say, hey, Tony, how's it going? You'd be like, good. Yeah, so what's new? Uh, mm, not much. And you'll be waiting for me to now tell you what the work agenda is. That's usually how this goes down. But if the call is just, you know, I, I have to tell you, I'm a little embarrassed. I've never taken the time to really get to know you, to see how I can help you, what you're passionate about, maybe thoughts you have on making the workplace better or any creative ideas. Um, and you know what? I have to apologize for that. I really would like to make this a place where you feel valued. How, how may I do that? And the first time you do that, you'll be like, okay, what's he smoking? But if you stay consistent with that, you will have as strong a connection. Now you're smiling. I'm not sure if you're laughing or not, but. No, I'm, I'm actually taking notes. Okay. Uh, I hope all of you are taking notes because you are getting thousands of dollars of <laughs> advice that's coming to you free today. So exactly. write it down, guys. Better yet, subscribe to the podcast because Tony has other people giving pearls of wisdom as well. well and, if you, and if you do that, Tony, right? And you truly, and I do this with, oh, I, I just did this, two weeks ago with a firm, uh, an attorney, a law practice with the partners. And they were all like, so, so what do I do? So I have these people and I'm responsible for them and I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do what? I'm gonna create a connection. I'm gonna ask them their why. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I had to remember I'm talking to attorneys. No, no. When I say, you know, you're not going to ask them their why. You're going to ask them about themselves, what they care. And of course, all in, a, in an appropriate manner, right? I don't have to say that to your listeners. And then you build on that because this is about bringing full circle trust. Trust is the culmination of consistent small actions over time. And, and actually, Tony, I know you do this. I know because you've shared with me nothing that you shouldn't, but you know, you had an employee that maybe was going through a difficult divorce and you and you wanted to maybe, you know, pull back and let them, you know, maybe give their a piece of their work to somebody else, or maybe they need some more time. That goes such a long way. People do not leave companies, they leave bosses and they leave cultures. And you know a firm when the culture is positive and when it's not. You just, you do. You know, do you know how many quotes in the last five minutes you've created? <laughs> no, I don't. You know me, don't let me loose. <laughs> you know, I love this 
people don't leave companies, they leave bosses. That's mm -hmm. so profound. I'm sure I, I read that somewhere. I think we can tr transcribe this and write a joint book. That's really incredible. Okay. Actually, including including Ryan's SGS. There you go. And so so there's a company, one of the there's a couple of companies like the best companies to work for, the best companies for women to work for, right? And it's almost like private school. The school is as good as the teacher in the classroom, no matter how it's rated, right? So the company, it can be the best company in the world. But if your immediate supervisor is a tiller the hun, it won't matter. Yeah, be of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, two things I want to make sure we keep in mind. You have been a prolific writer about uh, the issues of women in companies. Mm -hmm. and, and that's going to have to be for another time that we have together on this a podcast. What's the name of your book about about women getting money? About oh, women. Um, money can buy you. Oh, I have it here. It's actually on my. It's holding up my. Hold it up. I, I, it? I'm so I'm so low key. Books there are it is. Money can buy you happiness. What I will say though, and anyone that knows me knows this, and I know you know this. If you think you're going to come to a conversation with me about be woe is me and being the victim, absolutely not. You have a choice. You can be a victor or a victim. You want anything in life, including work. Be aware of your obstacles, and then you are responsible for making it happen. We don't have time to wait for Sheryl Sandberg and legislation. If you want it, you have to find a way to get it, regardless of the circumstances. The only obstacles you that are cemented in stone are the ones that you allow to be cemented in stone. Terrific. So let me ask you three quick questions as we get ready to wrap this up. Okay. What is, in your view, the most important book to you that you have ever read? Oh, you know, and I should know that book. Oh, gosh. To me. Just what comes from your gut. In the book that keeps coming to mind is a book is a book called Shantarama. And it's a, do you know it? No. It's about 900 page, pages. So here's what happens in life. As your children get older, I now read and watch what they tell me to read and watch because they know me. Um, so one of my sons, Brian, uh, recommended it. And it takes place in India. And it, it, describes every condition, every human condition, caste, religion, socioeconomic, borders, war, politics. And I love it. It, it touches on every issue of humanity. Shant, how do you spell that? Shantarama. I think it's S-H-A-N-T-A-R-A-M-A. -A -A. Wow. It's the first hundred pages you have to you have to power through and then I could not get and it takes place in India and it's not like I have any proclivity for the Indian culture one way or the other you know but but it is a I think you would love it Tony it's a fascinating read I can't remember the author's name he also wrote the second book the second book was eh, but the first book I really 
really loved. I also, I don't know why this is coming to mind, but um, I think it was John Gunther that wrote Death Be Not Proud uh, about a boy that died of a, a brain cancer. And I was very, very young when wow. I read that. Okay, that okay. Next, next quick question. Yeah. Who was the, and, and this is, this is a Kevin Thompson inspired uh, question. Who's the most important, who was the most important person in your work life, not your personal life? My mother. Your mother. Because my mother was widowed at 36 with five children and no money. She didn't even finish high school. The most brilliant woman you'd ever meet. Never complained, never said she was tired, never took a dollar of social welfare. I watched my mother get a job, work in the television industry, Tony. She was young, beautiful, and desperately needed her job. You can only imagine the stories she didn't tell us. And she taught me everything I need to know about when life throws you lemons, you make lemonade and that you figure it out. And also, I'll be damned if I'm gonna do that. There's gotta be a better way. And I wanted options. And my mother said education, hence two master's degrees, a doctorate. So there you it, go. it would be my mother, even though I don't think that's what you were looking for. No, that's no, no. I, I mean, if, if, if that's what, kind of motivate you professionally and in business world and and the and and what's most importantly the value that you bring to the world we've talked about that before on this uh webcast the value you bring to the world is what people pay for right <clears throat> and 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 the fear that the value you bring isn't worth what you're charging mm -hmm. is is um makes i'll call it the inauthentic company oh, yeah and but, and, um, and and that's a whole nother thing let um, me Tony. i do have to say one more thing even if we're running late i want to tell you a very brief story about my mother so my mother passed away about six years ago on the fourth of july which is ironic because it's our, fa our family's favorite holiday and my mother was frank sinatra she did it her way trust me and on her deathbed, literally on her deathbed, I'm one of five and all of us are around her. And she looks up and she says, if bills come in when I'm gone, make sure you pay them. And we're like, what? She goes, if any bills come in from this, when I'm dead, make sure you pay them. I'm like, mom, you'll be dead. What do you care? She goes, I paid my bills my entire life. You make sure you pay them. Wow, wow, wow. That was my mother. Uh, what, what, what's your website that if people want to communicate with you, what's the website? It's easy, Dr. Pattyan, D-R-P-A-T-T-Y-A-N-N.com. I got a great free ebook on body language and I'm finishing up as we speak my other free report on um, emotional intelligence, but it's not ready yet. Very, very good. Dr. Patty Ann, thanks very much. You and I have been through a lot together. And I was glad that the people that are listening or watching this can uh, 
uh, share part of our journey together because I, I certainly have gotten a lot out of it. Ryan, you want to wrap it? Yeah, sure, Tony. I mean, absolutely fantastic conversation today, Dr. Patty, and we appreciate you jumping on board. I was taking notes as well, as Tony mentioned earlier. A lot of nuggets, a lot of one-liners that we'll be uh, using, and Tony, I will race you for that trademark. So, um, But anyway, look, hey, we want to say one final goodbye, of course, to Tony and Dr. Patty Ann, but we also want to say a goodbye to you guys, and that's our audience for jumping aboard and hanging out with us on the episode today. Do us a favor. If you like today's conversation, maybe you took some nuggets of information and wisdom down from Dr. Patty and yourself, go ahead and hit that like button and subscribe to us on whichever sh- you know platform that you're checking us out on. And then lastly, and most importantly, share this information, right? With any friends or family, business owners, anybody that you think would benefit from any of these discussions. You know, we've had a lot of great guests in some prior episodes, a lot of phenomenal topics really to cover and dive into. And that means we've got even better episodes moving forward and more great guests coming to you guys that we would hate to have you miss out on down the road. So should be be sure to check us out on Facebook on the Go Beyond Numbers Facebook page and keep an eye on your favorite podcasting platform to see when we're dropping new episodes. So for Tony, for Dr. Patty Ann, I'm Ryan. We're going to go ahead and say so long and we appreciate you guys hanging out with us on today's installment of Go Beyond Numbers.